Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode four, season two of the British English podcast with your host, Charlie Baxter. And today's show, oh, it's a belter, meaning it's a very good or exceptional episode for you. And I doubt I need to introduce the guest on today's episode, but in case you haven't heard of Luke from Luke's English podcast, then, well, I've kind of just done so. Yes, so Luke has been doing his podcast for many, many years. And in fact, when I was doing my teacher training course, I would listen to his show feeling um, inspired about perhaps doing something similar one day. And now, six years or so later, he's on my show. Woohoo! In this episode, we start off by getting to know the man behind the podcast. And Luke has some fantastic vocabulary. So this is rich in intermediate to advanced native expressions for you. And I reckon this first part of the show, because there are three parts, uh, as it's a seasonal episode. So um, this first part of the show paints a nice picture for what one might see as a young person's alternative approach to a career in the UK. I'm not saying people take the exact same path as Luke, but a lot of us leave education feeling similar to how he did. And then we try to just figure things out before we find the career of our choice. But without giving any more away, please welcome the delightfully talented teacher, podcaster and comedian Luke Thompson from Luke's English Podcast. Hello, Luke. How are you doing? I'm fine. Hello, Charlie. Lovely How to you have today? you on the show. Lovely to be on the show. It's been a while for me to to write that email to send to you to ask you if you wanted to do a collaboration. It was it was quite exciting really? for me because it's it's been a long time coming, and you've been um, doing podcasts for how long now? It's coming up to twelve years now. Yeah, twelve. So years. I started in April two thousand and nine, Easter two thousand and nine. So okay. Yeah, quite a yeah, long time. 2009. I just, was just starting university then. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Does that make I'm you feel old? You. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I already felt old. <laughs> when I woke up this morning, I was like, yeah, I'm old. You know, I didn't, I didn't need anyone else to tell me. Well, I've got a daughter. I've got a three-year-old daughter. That also sort of contributes to that feeling. Uh, but yeah. uh, no, I mean... Um, yeah, 12 years, right, you were just starting university and there I was just starting my first episode of my podcast. Yeah. Crazy, but I don't. I, I can't imagine you're, you're too much older, so you must have gotten into podcasting quite quickly after you finished education? Um, yeah, okay, so after, so I graduated in 1999, right? 1999. So I am old. Oh, <laughs> oh you look great. Uh, don't mean to, yeah, you know. Podcasting, it's good but... for it's good for the skin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, after university, um, I had some time, sort of dossing around, trying to work out what to do with my life. You know, that yeah, it's common, isn't it? And uh, yeah. playing in bands, I've played in lots of bands and things over the years, wow. and um, and then sort of decided to become a, an English teacher. Um, that's like maybe two years after, uh, graduating because I felt like I needed to, uh, I needed some sort of vocation, you know, I needed professional skills 
because a lot of degrees that people do, and this is a long story, we can't go into my entire life story, I suppose, but um, a lot of degrees that people do don't arm them with all of the um, skills that they need to be able to do a job. A lot of degrees are not vocational degrees, right? Agreed. Yeah, uh, I did psychology. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But psychology is great. But it's not a vocational course in the sense that you don't it doesn't you don't get a job at the end. It's not in the same way that in medicine, if you study medicine, you are a doctor and then here you are, there's your job, you're a doctor. Or yes. other things like certain engineering degrees and things like that. You you become a job at the end, or you get a job at the end in things like psychology. And I, I did like media and cultural studies, which is sort of even less um, specific than psychology, I, I think, probably in terms of its vocational applications. Um, yeah, but anyway, it's yeah. quite common uh, for people to leave university and sort of be like, right now, what? Now, what am I going to do? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. All, all of my friends and myself, we all felt that. Um, mm-hmm. It took me a couple of years to figure it out. And I think trial and error is, is a good um, solution. This episode comes with a free worksheet over on the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. So grab that and you can listen along whilst using it. So you you did the, the music for a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever really thought that I was going to make it as a professional musician, but I was in bands and... You know, it was being in bands is great, and I was in a few bands that were kind of taking it pretty seriously. Bands that were doing gigs, and we had a manager, uh, and uh, we were doing lots of gigs, and we were trying to like you know, trying to establish ourselves and things like that. Um, what was your but, instrument? Uh, drums. Oh, really? Yeah, drummer. Yeah, ah, I I've was got a fellow drummer. Behind me. <laughs> you used to be a drummer. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Tell yeah. me more. You used uh, to be, so you don't you don't play anymore. Well, I've I've been um, jumping across uh, the continents for the last ten years to sound pretentious, um, and I haven't been able to take my drum kit with me. So I haven't really practiced uh, properly since I was like at uni. But um, mm. yeah, around sixteen, that was my peak. I'd say I performed to a, um, an audience of about sixty in a church. That oh, was yeah. Yeah, that was the prime, my prime. Okay. Yeah. And what, what kind of stuff were you doing? Oh, all sorts, all sorts. Mainly um, this, this one lady uh, or girl at the age uh, that we were, uh, she decided to call us Lizzie and the Walking Boys. <laughs> Sounds good. And, yeah, and she, uh, she did all the lyrics and it was all her own stuff. So no one really knew what was to be expected when we were playing it. But yeah, yeah they were nodding along. <laughs> okay great yeah, yeah. so uh what kind of what what kind of stuff what kind so of the, music, the band yeah. the, the band that i was in after university so after university I, I i was in liverpool and i was in a band there but um i decided to come back to the midlands where i'm from and like live with my parents and stuff you know that thing where you've gone to university and then you come back to live with your parents it's something and, that British people do more than other countries, I've noticed. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, so I, I got into a band with some old mates of mine from that area, some of my old mates from college, and it was really great to be in a band with them again. And the music was sort of like, 
it's hard to explain really it was we had lots of samples and so it was a combination of live band and backing track with samples and stuff so it was kind of like funk breakbeat kind of things wow things like that. specific yeah yeah it was quite specific so we oh i can't explain it really but dancey kind of poppy kind of stuff yeah um that requires quite a bit of skill um as a drummer yeah it's quite hard work i was talking about this the other day on the podcast actually but it, it was quite hard work because in order to play along with the backing track you know the there's quite hard work and some of those samples were not exactly in perfect time that's so what I had he to says like, yeah 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 it wasn't my fault it was the backing track actually once we 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 did a gig once and the sound man the sound guy who was doing the sound check for us he was an american guy and he kind of summed it up quite well he was like doing the sound test for us and at the end of the sound test he said you guys have got a kick-ass rhythm section but you use a backing track <laughs> was his his um, summary, which kind of became like my catchphrase in the band. Like, you guys have got a kick-ass rhythm section, but you use a backing track. Um, so it was quite hard for, for me as a drummer to, to play along with the backing track and keep it all in time perfectly. So yeah. we had to find different ways of doing it. So I for a while, I had a click track in my earphones, right? right. So I had to try and drum along to the click track. Can I can I interrupt? Yes. Why did you have a backing track if you've got you? Aren't well, you well, meant my, to be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like again, I'm going to reference something else. So uh, Ringo, who you, obviously you know, the drummer from the Beatles, wasn't he rubbish? No, absolutely not. Who am I thinking no. of? Who is the rubbish? Someone really? else. Rolling Stones? Did they have a rubbish no. drummer? No, no, no. Absolutely not. No. no, Charlie Watts is brilliant too. But no, no, it's a common misconception. People think that Ringo is rubbish, but it's oh, absolutely okay. not. Absolutely oh. not the case. Um, he's he's great. Uh, but uh, when they were recording uh, one of their later songs for the anthology, if you remember, they came back in the nineties. The three of them, without John, yeah. of course. Yeah, they were being produced by Jeff Lynne, and Jeff Lynne was trying to use a backing uh, a click track, and Ringo got really angry. He was like, you know. Jeff was like, you know, I'm going to use a click track on this. And Ringo was like, I am the fucking click. That was his, <laughs> that's his thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. The drummer should be the flipping click track. But um, no, my mate um, who was on keyboards had this idea that he wanted to incorporate samples and loops into it too, but also to have um, to have a, uh, a real drummer in the band as well which is great in theory but in practice it's, it's very hard to get right especially yeah. on stage it's okay in the studio maybe because you've got the right conditions but on stage it's difficult so click track in my headphones that was hard because i couldn't hear the click because the rest yeah. of the band was too loud then um the backing track in my headphones same thing couldn't hear the backing track even when we turned it up to the full to, to full volume i still couldn't hear it over the sounds of my own drums and everything else right. and the solution was to get a big speaker a big monitor and put it on a table next to the drum kit and blast the, the backing track right into my um ears would that not loop in would that not like well the, a... the, the the audience is getting the backing track anyway it's coming out through a speaker anyway pointed at the audience yeah but you know on stage 
musicians often will have monitors. You see those little speakers at the front that sometimes the guitarist will stand, put a leg on when he yeah. does his solo. Yeah, yeah, He'll yeah. kind of put his foot on it. Those are monitors that play the sound back to the musicians. Or these days they have like clever little little headphones, little earphones and stuff. So yeah, that's normal. But it, so it all just added, added to the mix of of the cacophony that we were producing. Uh, wow. But it was yeah, it was it was really hard to play in time to the backing track, and it also I, I worried that it, it was destroying my hearing. You know, having this really loud uh, music, this it's, it became like white noise just blasting into my into my ears, and I had to try and drum along with that. Yeah, what's the? <laughs> I'm not selling it. It, it doesn't tin- sound is wonderful. It tinnitus. Tinnitus, tinnitus, exactly. Yes, this is this is the word that Could came up that? in an episode. Uh, I don't actually. I think I've, I think I'm all right. I think I don't have tinnitus, but um, yeah. But if I'd stayed in the band for a long time, I think it probably would have completely ruined my hearing. But that's yeah. the price you pay. That's that's the price you pay for being a rock and roll star, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you <laughs> did you get the experience that you thought would be rock and roll? through and through uh what what are you getting at what do you mean well just groupies, the, the lifestyle if you will drugs, rock and roll that um, yeah well, tattoos no tattoos no my body remains unadorned with with uh, ink uh no 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 I, I managed to keep it all in check i didn't sort of fully embrace the rock and roll lifestyle fully yeah um, wow! I saw wow. I saw some other people who who did. <laughs> sure, you did. <laughs> this, this, sounds, this sounds like an intriguing story, doesn't it? Um, so, one other gig that I was doing in another band, we were being supported by this outrageous sort of um, I don't know what were they like heavy metal group. Okay, and they they were they they basically were were doing the heavy heavy metal thing but to crowds of about 15 people. <laughs> but they were they fully embraced the lifestyle of the full full on heavy metal rock and roll band including that like one of them had a groupie or a girlfriend. I don't know if she was a groupie or a girlfriend I suppose. And I remember like I had to go backstage to get my to get my snare drum because I'd left it under the counter backstage. And I went yeah, backstage and drum. Yeah, the, exactly. The snare drum listeners, viewers, is the drum that, you know, the, one of the most important ones, the pang, the one that goes. Exactly. <laughs> is that the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tang, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, boom, tang, ba-doom, doom, tang, that one, that's the snare that drum. That one, there you go. Yeah, so I had to go and get it and it was like under a table and I went in there and the drummer from this other band was there and his girlfriend was there too. And let's say she was, well, she was on her knees at the time if you know what I mean. She was looking for his snare drum. Well, let's say she was giving him sort of oral pleasure right there in the in the dressing room because oh. they were a crazy rock and roll band. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, awkwardly, like, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> can I just get my snare drum? You know, I, I felt like saying, what, uh, you know, sorry, while you're down there, love, could you get my snare drum? <laughs> but um, so never fully experienced yeah. it firsthand, but... Um, Passively. Saw, yeah. saw some examples of that rock and roll stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, good example. Very vivid, vivid imagination. Maybe a bit too vivid. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I didn't expect this to be the start. I was, um, I was thinking I. that we'll be talking about comedy today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, unless it was a very funny scene. I don't think that's the word that, to describe this lady's um, skill set. It was pretty funny for me. 
Okay. I found it funny that okay. he was they, they were having like this crazy rock and roll moment and I was just awkwardly like oh sorry to interrupt your rock and roll fantasy can I just uh, get my snare drum <laughs> <laughs> and so did that ever fuel a joke that you did um, on stage as a comic because if you don't know guys um, Luke is a is a comedian as well so he's a um, if you a can't stand tell, up if you, comic yeah if you, you uh, it may not have been obvious that uh, I do I make people laugh uh, in my t- you know in my spare time I don't know if that was obvious some of you are like uh, oh this is all very serious <laughs> <laughs> yeah I also do comedy that's right yeah so mm. when did you get into that um well around the same time I started doing my podcast actually so it was sort of um yeah nearly 12 years ago about sort of 2009 a lot of things seem to happen in 2009 for some big reason. year for you yeah a big year for me yeah so i started doing it then um how did i start is this the question i was i was gonna start yeah. by saying um a lot, a lot of people think that they they get some laughs from friends but i don't mm. understand the transition between that and then thinking oh this could be a profession like i'm I'm, I'm, I think I could do this because it's a big leap to go from just mm. having a little laugh between your mates and then being on stage. Yeah. I'm, How did speaking, that, pers- yeah. speaking personally, I never, I've never felt like I was the funniest person among my friends. Like, I've always thought that most of my good friends are a lot funnier than me. And, you know, like some people I've known have just been so funny and I've always thought, oh, I'd love to be funny like them. But they were just funny just with friends and just like going through their lives, just being funny people. Yeah. Um, but then being, then deciding to actually stand on stage and try and make other people laugh that you don't know. Yeah, it's a pretty weird thing to choose to do in mm. a way. Um, um, I think actually English teaching is probably part of the reason I decided to do it because English teaching gave me the confidence to actually be able to stand up in front of other people and 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 talk without feeling completely um uncomfortable and 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 nervous when I first yeah. started English teaching this is to groups of students in classrooms rather than like on to online sort of one-to-one lessons but like you know in front of a group when I first started, I was very uncomfortable and very awkward in my skin and never felt relaxed. But it really helped me to gain confidence over time. I just became more and more relaxed and more comfortable being in front of a group of people. And I'm not saying that as a teacher, I was always trying to make my students laugh because you shouldn't really do that as a teacher, you know. But sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's helpful to kind of lighten the moment or to keep people motivated it can be useful to like you know add bits of humor or touches of humor to to uh, a lesson yeah and there were some moments when i thought I'm, I'm i'm getting better at making people laugh and i thought you know i'd like to try and do this and i've always wanted to do comedy i've always been interested in it but i've you know i went to see stand up comedians and thought oh i'd love to be able to do that i just don't know how to do ah, it. well, that's an interesting moment. You've you've looked at them and you've thought, oh, I want to do that because that's that's yeah. m- for most people they don't think that. I I I look at a comedian and I think never, but that's amazing. It's a bit like when I go and see live music. Like part of me just 
can't enjoy it fully because I'm thinking I want to be on the stage. I that's mm. I can't I you know I want to be part of that. I don't want to yeah. be just enjoying it. I love it. It's amazing, but I don't know for some reason part of me is just like I should be I should be doing that up there yeah. with those guys. You know, when can yeah. I when can I have a go? Yeah, when so I don't day? really understand. Yeah, I don't really understand where that comes from. Uh, because I, I don't really want to be the centre of attention. I was just going to ask it, that. Yeah, you don't seem don't to be too be, yeah. egocentric. No, no, it's... I mean, some people probably become comedians because they do want to be the centre of attention. But I don't feel like um, when I'm with other people, I always want to be, you know, the one that everyone's listening to and the one that's making everyone laugh. I'm quite happy to just sort of like be a bit more shy, in fact, in in in. in social situations um but it's more just i think that like making people laugh is amazing it's it's so wonderful and um if you know if you come up with funny ideas you want to try them out you want to see if they work yeah and so the way i did it was actually so i was seeing a girl at the time and i and um she thought I was funny. So I had been making these little videos, these stupid little comedy videos of various things. Okay. Um, and uh, I showed them to her and she thought, oh, these are really good. You're funny. You should do this, this workshop that I know about. Oh, so there, there okay. are these like co- stand-up comedy workshops that you can do. And um, so uh, I joined this workshop it's run by um, a, a comedian called uh, logan murray who is not one of the the like well-known people you see on all the game shows and things but um he he has worked with people like richard herring and um um who else um greg davies and um who's the welsh guy welshman always speaks like this very gruff the only the only welsh accent i can do is Rod Gilbert, that's it. Rod Gilbert, you know him. Yes. yes anyway, yes, so yes, yes. he um, he worked with him as well. He works with lots of comedians and helps them to write material and, and helps them, you know, with their with their comedy skills. And he runs these workshops called um, the Absolute Beginners Comedy Course or something like that. And okay. so this girl was like, "You should do this," and I was like, "Well, okay." I think maybe I just needed someone to give me that push. I wouldn't mm. have had the initiative to do it myself, but because she told me to do it, I was like, "Yeah, all right, I will." Mm. and and i did it and and it was like a series of weekend um like saturdays most of the day saturday you'd be in a uh it was a room below a pub it was the, below the walkabout pub in in covent garden in london ah. and there was a group of us that had all signed up to do it other kind of misfits who had this <laughs> desire to go up on stage in front of other people and, and try and make them laugh and what would you do in the workshops well, the, at the beginning, it was extremely awkward. We were doing these really weird, like improv games that I didn't understand. Okay, right. so kind of, kind of like drama uh, class, sort no? of. It was, it, it was based around certain concepts which were really important to, to, to understand. Concepts about it's, it's really hard to explain. I don't yeah, really understand yeah. it myself. But it's stuff like high and low status. So one of the games that we would do is that. Logan would tell us to walk around the room and you can either choose to be high status or low status. And it was okay. as vague as that, right? It was that vague. Like, and we're all going, what, what's he talking about? What does he mean high status or low status? And he said, just 
choose to be high status or low status and walk around the room and when you meet another person have an interaction and during the interaction change from being high status to being low status wow. and we're all like all right weird so we all awkwardly yeah. sort of tried to be high status or low status so what do you think what what would high status be if you, if you were doing i'm the imagining game? yeah class-based system so yeah so upper class lower class mm-hmm yeah. yeah, so a lot of high the people who choose to be high status sort of hold themselves high and sort of, mm. you know, start to become rather partial, and, you know, like that. And then the low status people are sort of like physically in a crouching low status down. position, crouching, lots of subservient, hello master, you know, that yes. sort of thing. Getting the hunchback. Although people have, going. yeah, a lot of hunchback sort of, I'm very low status. And then, um, yeah. you know, high status people tend to be a bit like this. And then you'd meet... <laughs> it's really ridiculous but it the idea is it gets you out of yourself yeah and i mean i i don't know there's a lot of sort of <laughs> weird, weird psychology relating to high and low status but uh, it's interesting to play with these roles and also it helps you to sort of use your body and stuff like that and and breaks down your your sense of um awkwardness so after doing that every weekend for a few weeks, you start to get less shy. Yeah. And that sense of like that, there's a voice in your head, which says you shouldn't be doing this. You're making a fool of yourself. You know, people are going to think you look stupid. That voice in your head, eventually you're like, oh, shut up. Yeah. yeah and then you just down. start. To, yeah. When you switch off the editor, as, as, as Logan puts it, switching off the editor allows you to suddenly, you're much more liberated after that and then you can actually start to work on being funny if you can just suddenly stop caring what people think of you and stop second guessing yourself stop editing yourself then that's that's the first step you you have to take to then actually free yourself up yeah are there any Mm. comedians that you think like are perfect at this or uh, is it that you know any comedian that is on stage that we would both know about has gone through this and and they are that already is everyone i think like any any successful stand-up comedian any comedian who is who goes up on stage and makes people laugh regularly has gone through that mm, mm, um, yeah, because yeah, because in order to get to that stage you need to get to that position you need to do lots and lots and lots of gigs you need to do yes. loads and loads and loads of performances and you need to fail many many mm. times yeah. yeah, that is the scary bit. So, um, do you have lots of experience of, as a failing? Failing? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Yeah, every, uh, almost every comedian does have lots of experience of, let's say, dying on their ass, which is the the phrase that is used. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loads, of course, because you can't you can't just. It's a bit like learning English, right? You can't just sort of like study grammar, study vocabulary on paper or just study and then one day, bing, now I'm ready and then go out and suddenly speak perfectly and do everything perfectly. You're going to make mistakes and you just have to learn to, to learn from those mistakes and sort of like just kind of grow into it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with comedy. So yes, I do. So we go on to talk about the path a comedian might take trying to make it in the industry. And of course, we then get to experience one of Luke's gigs that flopped, meaning he got no laughs and an awkward silence. 
Americans are likely to also say they bombed, like I bombed so badly on stage last night. So if you wanted to listen in to this conversation to hear how Luke bombed, then join us in part two and three of the episode, which is available on the website, the British English Podcast. Com, where you can also enjoy part one, two, and three with the transcripts, the extended glossaries, and flashcards as a premium podcast member, which I would like to add is incredibly affordable. And as I mentioned, this is a seasonal episode, meaning it is part of the Academy,、uh, where I have created exclusive. Explainer videos and audios diving deep into the usage of the native expressions being used in this episode. And then I've also made interactive quizzes, a pronunciation practice lesson of all the hard to say vocabulary in the show, and many more things that I will leave for you to find out about if you are interested. There's even a complimentary free sample lesson of this academy. For you to try, you'll get sixty、uh, expressions for free in that sample, and then you can see if it's something you think would benefit your English studies in the long term. But if you're not interested in that right now, then grab the free worksheet that includes a handful of lovely expressions from this part of the episode over on thebritishenglishpodcast.com. Anyway,、uh, thank you so much. It was、uh, a pleasure to not be too、yeah. sincere, but it was really fun. <laughs> no, it was. It's yeah. You know, I, I think we we can yeah. Now we can still be sincere. It was fun,、yes. it, and thank、yeah. you for for inviting me onto your podcast. I hope that I made sense and that I didn't ramble too much. I have a habit of rambling on, but、uh, it was it's、uh, been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for、I、inviting think, me. Thank you. Yeah, I think rambling suggests a negative. Um, kind of aspect to it, whereas I was I was wrapped. I was very interested because you've got a lot of、um, you, you've got the the comedy, the the rock and roll kind of lifestyle <laughs> before that to lead into it. You got a lot, yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank you very much.、Um, so for anyone who hasn't heard of your podcast or what you do, can you just tell them where to find you? So my podcast is called Luke's English Podcast.、Um, L U K E, not Lux English Podcast, not Lux English Podcast, not Lux English Podcat、um, or Postcard. Luke's English Podcast, and you can find it on the internet, which I assume that you're aware of.、Um, and、uh, TeacherLuke dot co dot uk is my website. That's probably the best way to go, and you can find all the rest of it there. But it, the podcast is available in your normal podcasting app and on YouTube and stuff. Luke's English podcast. Just Google it. There we go. There we go. Thank you very much. All right. We'll、Thank、see you, you soon. Thank、yes, you. Yes, indeed. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>